Episode of the What's Good Games podcast. I'm Andrea Renoy. Andrea Renoy? Renoy? Is that like your Do I not name? even know how to say my own name? <laughs> it's Greg? that kind of week. It's been that kind of week. As you guys can see, I'm joined in studio by Mr. Greg Miller from KindOfFunny.com. Hi! Greg, thanks so much for coming by. Thanks for having me, Andrew. We've been trying to get you on the show for such a long time. Sure. And we thought, what better week than the week we do the Detroit spoiler cast? Exactly. You know, none of the clowns I work with want to beat it and see all the different endings, but you clowns do. So I'm happy <laughs> to be a clown here with you, talking about it, and Connor. Connor, oh, I love you. Oh, yeah. He's so great. Uh, we're also joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello, Gov. And Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. We're all here, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a great show. Uh, fair warning, the show's going to be a little bit on the shorter side for you folks that love those three-hour shows uh, because we've got a lot of stuff going on ahead of Kind of Funny Prom, which is this Saturday. Just like, but, so when the podcast airs, it'll be tomorrow. Yeah, yes. one day away. Dude, 24 hours 24 now. hours to Kind of Funny Prom. We're all going to be in prom. fucking weird-ass outfits. I'll tell you so right good. now, if you're listening to this on Friday, no matter where you're on the country, they have flights to San Francisco. You do not want to miss Kind of Funny Prom. And the only thing I'll say is stay to the very end. You won't be disappointed. Okay. So how late does prom go? I don't even think I know. You know, that's a great question. <laughs> I've noticed throughout this week a lot of people asking me a lot of great questions about prom as if I have any idea. But as usual, prom is uh, this Kind of Funny live event is a Tim Gettys Joey Noel joint. I want to say it ends like... 11.45 and then 12 to 1 is the VIP, is VIP time. Okay. Or it's maybe till we go to 11 or 11.30 and it's, then the rest is VIP. I think 1 o'clock is the hard end. Yeah. That's when it's over, over. But like but that's VIP time. It's not Pumpkins. over. You just got to we go find on, a party somewhere exactly. else. Exactly. Well, everybody's staying at that Marriott downtown. We're all going to go party there. The Marriott Marquis? Yeah, oh yeah. The one with the Death Star bar at the oh, top? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love oh, that place. Yeah. yeah. We're in Terra San Francisco. Who, new wait, are we, are we going to make a kind of funny sweet party? I have to oh, imagine God. one of these groups of best friends has an amazing place, and we will all go there and just ruin their security deposit. Dude, I'm bringing a pair of sneakers to change into, but I'm going to start in heels. That's my plan. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't see, know. Brittany's already got her her nails. Britt, let's see the, these prom nails. Ooh. Oh, so yeah. good. Bright 80s colors. Are you going with sneakers or heels? I'm going to start in heels. And these are heels I had since 2000. Wait, Jeez, vintage high heels. Vintage high heels. I, and I, I was telling Greg shit. during our uh, Patre- our Patreon exclusive live stream, patreon.com slash what's good games, uh, that I found an, a, a necklace out of the 90s that I wore that has like a peace sign on it, a smiley face, a heart piece. It's beaded. Like I legit wore this when I was like eight or nine years old. So I'm very excited to bust that out for this event as well. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. I hate that you were so young. I mean, I love you, <laughs> but also, oh my god, I keep forgetting how young you are. Um, Steimer, you sent me a photo of your outfit. It looks so cute. <laughs> I am trying to channel ten things I hate about you. Uh, the prom outfit that the younger sister wears, which was just oh, like, this Alex Mack. Yes, 
Um, but like, I don't really, I mean, I'm kind of half, half, half assing it. We all can't speak today. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> because I'm like, eh, I'm like, I'm not going to buy shoes for this or accessories. So if anybody has anything to like spiff it I up. I have tons of accessories. Okay, great. We could also, we could also go hit up Forever 21 if you want. But I don't, the thing is, I don't want the things after. Well, see, that was the thing. Britt was talking about slap bracelets, and now she wished she had some mm. slap bracelets. I already have a good authority. Too many people have bought too many random accessories from Amazon, so I imagine it's going to be like a photo booth in there, where you walk into this prom, and there are just accessories everywhere. What do you want? Slap bracelets, weird headbands. Bring them all to Kind of Funny Your Prom butterfly if you guys clips. are coming. Yeah. Yes. Oh, butterfly clips. No, that's yes. what I think I'm going to do with my hair. I think I'm going to crimp it and then put it in butterfly clips. It was either that or I was going to go to someone, get like an actual updo done with like the tiara that they would do back in the 90s. But I don't know yet. But girl, I have a crimper. Yeah, we're going to crimp I have a crimper hair, at my house ready and waiting for you. Oh God, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. So excited. The photos that come out of Kind of Funny Prom are going to be amazing. <laughs> you guys have like a full like photo section? Yeah, we have a, from, well, from what I understand, yeah, there's like a photo, because again, I, I hear things through Joey meetings. Noel, we need her. Yeah, there's going to be a photo backdrop. And we were going okay. to, for a while, we were like, do we want to bring in a professional? And it was like, yes. What's, well, no, because everybody's got their phones and we want you to tweet them right away. And so we want to just get out do there. Both. Right away. You can do the professional thing where they can tweet right away. They just send it to your phone. No, I've never, yeah. I've never had a good. You always do that, and the Wi-Fi is overloaded, and you get it the next day, and it's not in the moment. What can no Imagine what's happening. I'm just letting you know that I've had bad experiences with photo booths and things. Ladies, like that. Okay, that's that's fair. Ladies, that's we'll fair. we'll throw our own prom in a couple years when we're making <laughs> kind of funny money. Kind of funny. That's right. Money. It'll be uh, it'll be what's good prom. It'll be all pink and purple. You have to only wear pink and purple. It'll that's be awesome. That'll, that'll be, be a perfect. Good that, that's a really good idea. Right? Yeah. For our first one, we knew we couldn't push it too hard, right? We yeah. were just like, please dress up, 80s versus 90s. If you, you know, if you want to wear a t-shirt and be that person, okay, fine. But we're not going to yell at you. I have it on good authority. A couple people are coming uh, just cosplaying an 80s or a 90s character. And I was like, you know what? That's good. That's better than nothing. I desperately hope somebody comes as the characters from the movie Mannequin. <sighs> Andrew McCarthy. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I would die. I awesome. love that movie. I just have a thing for 90s movies. So the last Kim, time Britt was in town, I know we're going off on a tangent here, and I told myself we're going to have a streamlined show this week. Hello. Oh, um, the last time, well, one of the times when Britt was in town for, for our What's Good shoot, I showed her The Secret to My Success, the Michael J. Fox oh, movie. Oh, God. And I love this movie, and Britt had never seen it. Britt, what did you think of it? Did you think it was dumb? No, I liked it a lot. I haven't seen a lot of classic movies. I haven't seen a lot of movies in general. So Mannequin, I have no idea. When you say Mannequin, I think of those little fuckers <gasps> from Silent Hill. You haven't seen Mannequin eat? Oh my god, we're going to watch it this weekend, Britt. Yeah, it's girl. So <laughs> learn me. I will learn you, girl. All right, well, we should probably get on with the show. What show? We could, I mean, we could talk about 80s and 90s, like nostalgia. Like, we could make a, we could just make the whole show about that. Well, maybe we should make the news section about that because there's not much news. But before we get to the news, as Britt mentioned, of course, if you guys missed the pre-show, it's because you're not part of our awesome Patreon tier. That's patreon.com slash what's good games. If you guys want to get in on our live pre-show every week. And also, I need to give a big shout out to one of our awesome patrons, Jay Mahui, who got in engaged congratulations jay he sent us an amazing photo let me pull it up right now actually so i get the name of his uh his now fiance Mm -hmm. um which is like the weirdest fucking word ever fiance Um, fiance jay here he is uh that's the wrong wrong thing 
Yeah, I remember the first time we read his name in the because uh, we do our Turbo Patron shoutouts. We read all of the names sure. once a month. All and, the names. All of the names. Yikes! And so I, um, <laughs> yeah, so I Is always that a show unto itself. Well, it's not bad yet. Um, maybe he didn't. Oh, Sarah, girlfriend Sarah. Look, isn't that cute? Oh, look, it's so actual cute. as it happens. Photo, very I'll nice. I'll pull a photo and put it up on the screen so you guys can see it. But congratulations uh, to them. Very happy for you guys. Um, and this is also not to have a a terrible segue uh, where I tell you guys that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you 100% free, courtesy of Bespoke Post. They are an awesome sponsor for this week, and they're a really cool service, you guys. So, um, in case you guys have never heard about Bespoke Post before, um, I just want to tell you a little bit about them. So, obviously, as we all know there's some perks that come along with hosting podcasts and sometimes we get sent like really cool shit in the mail. And this month we got sent a box of awesome from bespoke post. So these folks are upgrading your style. That's their whole goal to upgrade your house to maybe upgrade your whole life. Just one box at a time though. Nothing too crazy. So it's kind of like sending a little gift to yourself. You know, like when you buy shit on Amazon, you forget that you bought it, but then it just arrives and you're like, 100%. Oh my God, this is amazing. That can be bespoke posts for you. So let me tell you guys about these boxes. So they're themes. Uh, they can have style, grooming, cooking, drinking which we're doing right now, or travel. And with all these options, know that Bespoke Post has new boxes every month that you're guaranteed to dig. Plus, unlike some other subscription services, there are no commitments. Bespoke Post lets you know which box they've picked out for you on the first of every month. Then you'll have five days to keep it, switch it, or skip it. So these posts scout out quality and unique products from around the world, delivering them to you every month without high retail markups. Steimer, you received your bespoke post, your box of awesome. I literally and got, you got it dun, like dun, dun, 20 dun. minutes ago. I got this really shiny copper mug. So I got basically um, the Moscow Mule kit, essentially, because <laughs> one of my favorite drinks is a Moscow Mule. And I've, as a lot of people may, may or may not know, when I go to Andrea's, we drink a lot. When I come home, I don't really drink anything. Like, I don't drink alone. Sounds really weird to say, but um, I drink a lot all the time. There's nothing wrong with drinking. A <laughs> I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with it. I'm saying I personally do not, but that's mostly because I can't drink a bottle of wine by myself. I mean, sure you can. I could, but I mean, like I you're shouldn't. just not trying hard exactly. enough. Um, Commit. <laughs> um, and then for the most part, I don't usually have alcohol in my house. However, now I have like a liter of vodka from my birthday, and now I have this ginger syrup sauce, and I have mm. these copper mugs, and I have this ice mallet thing. So I'm gonna try and make myself a drink. And like, fucking party at your goes. house, girlfriend. Yeah. Well, I like Moscow meals. They're very refreshing. Those cups are very nice. They're very shiny. I know. Yeah, they're perfect. And they're perfect just in time for summer, too. And what's great about the Box of Awesome, and if you guys are interested in getting started, it's boxofawesome.com, is that each box goes for under 50 bucks. So don't worry. They're not going to be super expensive. But they have more than $70 worth of gear waiting inside just for you. On the first of each month, as we said, you'll receive an email with your box details, and you'll have five days to change colors or sizes or add extra goods to your box. If you're not feeling that month, and you know what? You just say, this month's not for me. Um, 
I'm excited to get mine. I got a wine tasting thing. Of course you did. I haven't. Of course you did. <laughs> on brand. I haven't uh, I haven't checked it out yet. But if you guys want to check it out and get 20% off your first subscription box, go to boxofawesome.com and enter the promo code what's good all one word at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com promo code what's good for 20% off your first box. Your bespoke post theme boxes for guys that give a damn or for girls that give a or damn. Or for ladies that Whichever want a one good you identify drink. with. It's totally up to you. <laughs> um, so thank you to Bespoke Post for sponsoring this week's show. On to the news. Now, I made this joke to Greg when we were hosting Games Daily earlier this week that I'm fucking sick and tired of all this Fortnite news. And look what we're going to talk about. Literally all we have to talk about this week is Fortnite news. Yeah, we're gonna hopefully it. Just, yeah, we do have some Pokemon Go news for Brit sure. later on in the show. But the first story... Is, um, I mean, I guess it's kind of arguable what the biggest story of the week so far is, but this one, PUBG Core withdraws the lawsuit against <laughs> Epic over Fortnite. So this write-up comes from Game Informer. The lawsuit filed by PUBG Core against Epic Games has been dropped, according to Bloomberg, who was the original source. The financial news organization says that South Korean case has been closed, but was unable to confirm the reasons why or if a settlement had been reached between the two companies. PUBG Core filed the lawsuit in January, citing similarities between Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and Fortnite's Battle Royale that it claimed crossed the line into copyright infringement. Oddly enough, both companies are partially owned by the Chinese tech company Tencent. I mean, Tencent owns literally everything at this point. They probably they own, own part me. of what's good, right? <laughs> uh, I wish they could buy part of our stock. Wait, we don't have stock. <laughs> Oops, that's the wrong thing. <laughs> I like that was Tencent coming in, cutting it off. That was my bad. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I accidentally went to our standby screen. Um, <laughs> listen, this is obviously this was going to happen. How stupid were they to even file this lawsuit in the first place? This is dumb. Fools. Fools. Uh, yeah, I, Does anybody else yep. have any uh, conflicting opinions? <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> no. It was just such a bad public relations optic move of yeah. like, okay, I, when Fortnite originally moved over to the Battle Royale scene, and Brennan Green put out that statement, right? Or and like PUBG put out a statement. It's just like, uh, we're not super cool with this. If you're gonna do Brennan Green's statement's always been, if you're gonna do this, like iterate on it and make it different. Don't just do the same thing. That was the hill to stay on, not to then have what Fortnite's done, which is catch PUBG completely flat footed and just come out and pub I mean, you mm-hmm. jump back a year ago when we were doing games daily. PUBG every month was setting a new record of how many people were playing it. And then to jump a year in and be like, well, they've added a new map and now they have, they have their own battle pass, which is a copy of Fortnite's and everybody's mad about it because the game's still littered with bugs and cheaters and all these things. It's like, wow, what a horrible look to be like, well, we can't compete with them. Let's yell at them and do this. Well, and on top of that, they have crazy competition coming down the pipeline from Battlefield and Call of Duty, Mm -hmm. which we Mm -hmm. knew was going to happen. And now that we're in a post E3, situation we they're they're both announced and like Fortnite has a dramatically different art style and play style than those kind of more realistic military shooters and that's where PUBG is really going to lose audience to I think is to to Call of Duty and and, and Battlefield um Brett have you do you have any desire to jump into any of these battle royale games no Plainly Short answer. No, no, no. I, I've watched. So Jason's played a lot of PUBG in the past and he was playing with his friend who was, I don't know, like top like few hundred or something PUBG player. Very, very good. And I recently just talked to his friend and his friend just stops playing because he couldn't handle the bugs, the jankiness, the crashes anymore. Uh, and it's 
it's just mind, like, quote DBZ, mind-boggling that this was even a thing. And I think it definitely was the right move from PUBG to pull this. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I imagine from a legal perspective, like, they were just going to look foolish, not to mention all the resources that Fortnite has. But also, just like Greg was saying, from a PR perspective, they just look very, very bitter and very sour at this point. And I'm happy they pulled out instead of trying to die on this hill. And I'm happy they're like, okay, we're not going to die on this hill anymore. Uh, you know, I think PUBG just needs to learn be very blunt they just need to stick their head down and keep trucking and be a happy second you are in second place you're very successful mm. but you're not pro- you're not going to top fortnite's popularity so just keep trucking making that money improve your game and worry about yourself worry about call of duty and battlefield don't worry about fortnite it's over love you bye <laughs> well, <laughs> well that's so interesting what you're pointing, right <laughs> is that the uh, uh, PUBG? is going to be competing much more with Battlefield and Call of Duty of here are games that are charging you up front. Right. Fortnite's going to be so hard, if not impossible to catch because it's free to play. Right. Jump in and, and play. And it's everywhere. But, exactly, right? And it's on everything. Like, we're now talking about very different experiences where on Games Daily we had talked about, yeah, you know, uh, Rocket League adding in their Battle Pass for whatever, the Rocket Pass, whatever they call it. And then PUBG adding yeah. in their Battle Pass or the PUBG event ticket or whatever. We're like, all right, cool. There's more content for it. And the backlash from the PUBG community that was like, you guys are nickel and diming us and we've been here forever and we've given you the money that your game isn't free. If it was, we wouldn't care. But the fact that you're doing this right. is weird and wrong to us. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think that's the point. And it's only either a matter of time before our- uh, PUBG Core has to release content for free, mm-hmm. or they have to make their game free to play. Free to play, yeah. So, and we've seen them go free to play on mobile, and they've done discounts on Steam. They've done discounts on Xbox. Um, I have to imagine when they eventually launch on PlayStation, which at this point it'd be stupid for them not to, um, that maybe they'll launch for free on PlayStation. Mm, what if they? What if they launch as part of like PlayStation Plus? That'd be awesome and huge, and that would be. That's what a good Rocket League did, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, don't you think for them, that, like, that the other players different would be apples sour? to oranges? I think, but I'm sorry, like, Stammer, what was that? I'm like, wouldn't that that would really irritate me if I was an Xbox player? Well, I, yeah, definitely. Like that, would, I just feel like that would be a terrible PR move for them because you've just now like you're already pissing people off left and right. Keep the people you have happy, <laughs> for like because otherwise you're just not going to have an audience at some point. But at, at, at what point, though, does a game as service like PUBG get to be free or discounted? Because, like, if you think about a traditional AAA title, they, a lot of them get discounted within 60 days, some within 30 days of launch. And a year later, you're either getting, like, a half-price game or you're getting, like, a game of the year mm-hmm. that has, like, all of this extra content included at the same price. But as a game of service, should you have to pay full price a year from launch, two years from launch? Like, is I, it, are they held to the same standard? But I, I think what they would need to do is basically have some sort of a, I don't want to call it a make good, but that's the only word that I can come, that comes to my head right now. Um, something to show to the players who have been there a long time that they appreciate them. So just be like, mm. something as small as like, hey, we know you all have been around. The game's going free to play, but all of you who purchased, you're getting X amount of dollars in, uh, virtual currency. So that, you know, you feel a little bit better about the fact that you did come in early when it was super janky or whatever. And like, here's how we're planning to fix these things. I don't think they'll do any of that, but it's certainly something that you can do to like put a band aid on a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I definitely agree with you. 
Now, will they do it? Probably not. <laughs> they need to. They need to <laughs> reset. Not. Okay. Only time will tell. Um, on to more Fortnite news. <laughs> well, it's technically not Fortnite news. It's a uh, PlayStation news that was precipitated by Fortnite. Sony offers hope on PS4 console crossplay via Eurogamer. I know this is something you, Mr. Miller, have talked about quite a bit. Very passionate about this. <laughs> <laughs> At the Game Lad Conference in Spain, Sean Layden, president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment America and chairman of SIE, SIE Worldwide Studios and PS4 system architect Mark Cerny delivered a presentation about the legacy of PlayStation. At the end of the talk, your gamer reporter, Robert Perchez, put the crossplay issue to Layden. Here's what he said. This is what the reporter said, to be clear. I thought it was fascinating you talking about PlayStation 3 flying too close to the sun. Your Icarus moment, you called it. And then the PlayStation 4 coming back to be more back to basics to be more about the players. But there seems to be an issue at the moment that Sony isn't listening to its players or doesn't seem to be. And that crossplay, Fortnite particularly. And I wondered if there were any plans to open it up. It seems to be Sony's not listening. Layden replied, saying he could offer, quote, one short statement. <laughs> Here it is. Quote, we're hearing it. We're looking at a lot of the possibilities. You can imagine that the circumstances around that affect a lot more than just one game. I'm confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community, while at the same time supporting our business. End quote. So this is, what? of course, the first official comment from Sony on the crossplay issue since it kind of came to a head during E3. Post E3, Microsoft and Nintendo, of course, put out that Minecraft ad about survive together, the green and the red. And then, then there were the memes, the blue survive alone. <laughs> um, obviously, crossplay has been an issue. We were talking about crossplay just at E3 last year mm -hmm. with Minecraft and how Xbox has obviously shown its willingness to work with Nintendo and mobile platforms and PC. Obviously, obviously, you know, N N Xbox and PC have always gone together, but PlayStation has always been the outlier. I think that this is good and they needed to say something. Obviously, this is kind of like a sure, thanks for the statement. Yeah. I'm it, like, I kind of feel like this is a throwaway. Britt, it beats that stupid PR statement we got. Was that like last yep. week or something? That, the 80 million units bullshit? Yeah, yeah. That did not address the issue at all. Um, I think, you know, obviously the statement makes sense and we've, Obviously, know that Sony has heard us. It make, we've, everyone's been loud. Someone named Greg Miller put out a tweet that uh, got a lot of traction and got a lot of attention from okay. certain people in the industry. I mean, all I can say is, like, finally, thank you for just coming out and saying it. I think this is the statement that makes sense. Obviously, Sony's ahead in this, and they are in a position where they feel like they can be a little stingy uh, when it comes to the situation. I would like to cross-play. I don't think that's going to happen. Cross-progression. I'm good with that. I will be happy with that. Well, Brittany, it's interesting you bring up crossplay because Dana or Dana, don't know how you say your name. Please let me know. Uh, Miss Blouse says, uh, wrote into Dear WGG, our Patreon tier at patreon.com slash games, and says, now that Nintendo and Microsoft are apparently BFFs, do you think that crossplay is the future of gaming when it comes to third-party titles? I think it could put even more of an emphasis on the quality of first-party exclusives moving forward to drive hardware sales. Steimer? Um, do we think it's the future? I think that depends on PlayStation <laughs> and their willingness to come to the party with their toys. 
uh, or if they're just like, yeah, we're going to be over here, guys. Because, like, the thing about the statement from Sean Layden, the last part to me is, like, a little bit of an eyebrow raise. Where it's like, it will be accepted by our gaming community, while at the same time supporting our business. And I'm like, th- that to me, to me reads as, like, minimum viable product. We're not out here to, like, make any of you guys feel really good about this or anything we're just gonna do whatever it is to shut you guys up like that's what i read that as <laughs> yeah no it's 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 that's a good point because you had cat bailey on the show last friday yeah. and she was talking about how sony is at like the top of the money pit like they have all of the money from the console race this generation and so they're kind of like yo why do we have to do anything to help microsoft or nintendo like and the answer we're is we're winning the console war right it's now good for your audience it's good for the players like if do you care about your customer or not like that's kind of the question at the end of the day yeah the thing about it and what is interesting about sean's statement is first off i'm glad they said something right like brit is saying that e3 statement was such bullshit and so tone deaf and totally off base this is a problem that could have been solved incredibly simply. And it's kind of, at first he starts talking in the statement like they're actually entertaining crossplay. And then like you said, Christine, right, they bring it back at the end of like what's good for business and good for gamers. They could have done the thing on the day of Nintendo's conference. This goes live. We're all, all people who've used Fortnite on PlayStation are locked out and can't use their stuff. And are like, wait, what the fuck? This is fucked up. Why would you let this happen? All they had to do then was be like, hey, everybody, in a tweet, in a statement, in an image on Twitter, we see you're upset about this. We that You're right. That wasn't a good move. We'll walk that back. We're not walking back cross-play. Cross we we don't believe in that. We are fine where we are. You can play it. But the account thing was a bridge too far. We're sorry. If they would have done that, this is nipped in the bud, and it goes back to, yep, it's just like Rocket League. Cool. Doesn't matter. We're not allowed to play with each other. I don't think they're outside of their purview that they're overstepping their bounds when they say we don't want to play nice with Xbox. We don't want to play nice with uh, switch on crossplay. Okay. Sure. Like sure. They're competing for that HDMI slot on a TV. I get that. I wish yes, that you would just let it happen, but it was the cross progression. That is the mo- like, wait, what? Yeah, it was weird. And the amount of people who've written in and been like, I spent $300 on PC. I always play on PC at a friend's house on a weekend, I jumped in on PlayStation 4 to show them my stuff or do whatever. And now I'm locked to this. That's dumb. I I agree. However, I still stand by what I said on Games Daily, which was no, literally no other game allows you cross, pro, cross progression. Mm-hmm. Even in Destiny, where I can upload all of my content into the Bungie cloud so I never have to have a local save on my PlayStation 4, I can literally log into any PlayStation 4 throughout the world and upload my Guardian and there I am. I cannot log into Xbox sure. One and upload my Guardian with all of my shit. Like, yeah. That's just not a thing that exists. And see, that, uh, you know, and not not to say that it shouldn't. I would yep, love to live yep. in a world where it did, but I have grown up in a world where it didn't. So my expectations on that, I just feel like we're in a world where people are incredibly demanding of this new mm-hmm. thing. And I think the hardware makers are like, we want to be able to give it to you, but we have to figure out what this means because, like what Sean was hinting at in his statement. Was that this isn't just about Fortnite. Right. This This is is about literally every game on the platform. And if we're going to do this, we have to make sure we're doing it right and that we're getting the, the protocol and the platform Mm -hmm. policy right to make sure that we can onboard not just Fortnite and Epic Games, but we can onboard every other game in our ecosystem. And that's 
a shit ton of games. So I get why it's taking taking them a long time to come up with a reasonable oh, solution. Totally. And I mean, to your point, that's why this is such an interesting case is that Fortnite and Epic here are, and I hate this word because it sounds so trendy and douchey, but disruptors, right? They're disrupting what we've always known. And for, you know, what you're talking about with your, your Destiny character, of course, right? Like Gary today on uh, Games Daily was like, yeah, well, I'd love to be able to play the division with Xbox and PS4 players, but we can't. And like, why? And it's like, yeah, but that's a, okay, that's a full price game, but this is for, and it's, it's just the fact that with Fortnite, they've already knocked down the walls, right? The fact that on PS4, you can play with your PC and your phone. Like, that's where it gets weird of like, so you don't look at PC as a competitor, but you do here. That, that's where it just gets all so jumbled up and it doesn't make sense. And that, and to the point where like, we're just like, getting buried in the semantics of it. Exactly. Yeah. They just, hopefully they'll work it out sooner than later. And maybe someday they'll let us change our PSN ID. See, I'm telling you, just do one <laughs> giant conference at the end of the summer. We're like, listen, we're undoing this. You can use your cross stuff. Change your PSN names. PlayStation Now now has downloads. We'll see you guys later. Perfect. All right, last story of the segment. Pokemon Go hits highest player count since 2016. So this write-up comes from the folks at IGN. Pokemon Go has hit its highest number of players in a record peak since it first launched. The news comes from a study on the worldwide digital game by Superdata, which also revealed that the game is the fourth highest grossing mobile game as of May 2018. That's pretty crazy. I contributed to uh, like Pokemon Go has made $104 million <laughs> in May alone. I'm sorry, Brittany, were you saying something? No, no, no. Don't. Keep going. She made a cute joke. <laughs> Uh, wait, what was the joke? I contributed to like half of that because I spent a lot of money in Pokemon <laughs> Go. But then my joke was irrelevant because this that wasn't this, this month that I did that. So it was a bad joke all around. It was just- no, it was a good joke. Don't be so hard on yourself. Thanks, Timer. Come on, round of applause at home for Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> she did it. All right, everybody. <laughs> um, revenue rising at a rate of 174%. Brittany, get on the bandwagon. Spend more money. <laughs> the surge in players coincides with the changing of seasons, with Superdata attributing the bump in users to the game's, quote, walkabout gameplay, which is perfect for summer. So true. I guess it's kind of true. You're outside already. Um... They have an article that says uh, that details everything you've missed if you haven't been playing Pokemon Go since launch, which I'm sure is written by one Andrew Goldfarb. <laughs> and quite a lot's been added in the last two years. It might also have something to do with the upcoming release of, obviously, Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu, and Eevee. And, of course, Switch remakes of Pokemon Yellow that can interact with Pokemon Go. That's what uh, Let's Go is, apparently. Is, is, that, is that the case? I didn't realize that. Maybe I tweeted about that. E3 seems like it was so long ago, oh, Greg. I, know. I can't even. It was not. Um, Britt, <laughs> Yo. are you not going to get back in or are you going to get back in? Tell us Tell us all. Okay. So I'm. The, my problem with Pokemon Go has always been that the Pokemon spawn in rural areas. I hate that word. Rural. 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 The rural areas. I hate that fucking word. <laughs> that word needs to die in a fire and burn it in the dictionary. Uh, there, there needs to be more spawning. There needs to be a variety of Pokemon, more Pokestops added. And I say that because where I live, you know, I, I'm on an acre. No, I'm on four acres. Wow. Big difference there. You and don't got to brag. Jeez. No. And my I have like huge plots of land. But my, my point, <laughs> I have a point to this. I'm not bragging. My point is, is that I get nothing but Pidgeys and other like bitch ass Pokemon, but you know, plea Pokemon. <laughs> and that's why I don't play anymore is because I'm going to walk around and hatch my eggs. I'm going to get the same shit. And I don't want that anymore. Um, that said, I do have a very robust, uh, full Pokedex. And I'm thinking I'll keep a couple dupes for the sole purpose of transferring the Pokemon just to see what it's like. I don't plan on using those in battle. 
because I want to be like old school and do my battling, you know, with the Pokemon that I actually caught in the game. None of this. Did you see Goldfarb's tweet where he kind of scrolled through his Pokedex and he has all of his dupes named as Let's Go? <laughs> no, but that's brilliant. Psychopath. That's a great idea, actually. I might do that. Yeah, he renamed his dupes as Let's Go. No. And I was just like, dude, like you've taken this to the next level. I mean, yeah, I I, I think Pokemon Go is just going to continue to do well. And they just added trading and friend codes finally. I mean, holy shit, it took them long enough to do this. So now you can trade. Oh, so that's why everybody was posting that shit on Facebook. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> so finally, trading has been implemented, but in order to trade, you need to become friends with someone. Not a huge deal to become friends with someone. It's a long-ass friend code, but the problem is you need to be within 100 meters to trade with that person. So if oh, you and what? I were to become friends... We couldn't trade. <laughs> it would know. never happen. Brittany would never does not happen. accept our friend requests. Uh, we'd have to be within 100 meters of each other in order to actually trade Pokemon. So, I mean, they're, they're implementing some things, and you can increase your friend level by sending each other gifts. And if you do it for 90 days straight, you'll become best friends, and then the trading oh. cost goes down because there's a trading cost that's kind of like a tax. It uses Stardust. It's a big convoluted thing. Wait, is Stardust part of the microtransaction system? No. So, so you get Stardust when you catch Pokemon, if you participate in a raid, if you hatch an egg, you get Stardust. And depending on what kind of Pokemon you want to trade with your friends, think of it as like a tax. So if you want to trade like a shiny Pikachu or whatever to your friend who's just your friend, it's a million Stardust, which is a lot. Um, but if you want to trade it to like your best friend, I actually have a chart up here somewhere, it's significantly less. <laughs> But if you actually, I have a graph laying this all out. Hold on one second. I mean, did have a graph in front of me. Yeah. Let me send so, you my PowerPoint deck about million... how I'm not going to play Pokemon. <laughs> it's a million Stardust to send a shi- to send a shiny to a good friend, but it's only forty thousand to send it to a best friend. Now to become a best friend, that's a giant discount. But well, here's the thing: be to become friends. a best friend, you have to send each other gifts ninety days straight, like or, or a total of ninety, 90 days. days straight. Not, ninety days to, in a row. It doesn't have to be in a row. No, but it's like <sighs> it adds up to ninety days. So for three months, Andrew, you and I would have to send gifts back and forth to each other to get that discount. So if we wanted to get it as fast as possible, we would have to send a gift back and forth for every day for 90 days. Because you can only do one friend transaction a day. So that's this is like, bullshit. No, this is like courting someone in Stardew Valley. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to walk around with a little onion over your head. You're going to give it to someone. They're going to have a little heart. But, like, but Pokemon Go is a free-to-play game. I want to be able to buy my way through that bullshit. <laughs> is there a way for me to buy my way through, Britt? No. I mean, not through Stardust, if that's the way you want to go. No. There's not. I can't buy Stardust? No, you can only get Stardust that by catching, weird. Like I said, catching Pokemon, participating in raids, hatching eggs, feeding berries to Pokemon at gyms, and that kind of shit. How do you have a free-to-play game with a crazy in-game economy where you have to have a million of something, and then you don't let me buy it? Well, Isn't that the whole point of it being a, a free-to-play is that I can buy my way through the bullshit? I mean, sure. I think at this point... So Stardust is used for leveling up Pokemon and blah, blah, blah. But like people who haven't been focused on that so much, on the battling aspect oh. of it... I probably so it, have, would be, it would be pay to win then. Yeah, if, I probably have hundreds leveling. of thousands of Stardust in my Pokemon Go account right now that I just haven't touched. Because Pokemon Go obviously has been out a while, so people have like this accrual of Pokemon Stardust. So I don't think it's as big of a deal as it seems. Oh, okay. Wait, I see, see how much you have. I'm curious. 
Okay. Yeah, because so I see, I see now. So it means that like the Stardust would be it would be pay to win because if I can buy Stardust, that means I can buy my way into high power Pokemon by trading. And then I could go down to my local gym, which is on the corner down here, and I could just like wreck shop because I was like, I just paid five hundred dollars and I bought all these Stardust for Pokemon trades. There you go. And I think it's a way of balancing it mm. out to make sure people just don't you know gimp it, obviously. But yeah, yeah. Still, I still want to I still want to buy my way in. I'm just. No. Fix your old shit, Pokemon Go. Give me more Pokemon. Buy, a, to catch. buy an account off someone. Let's uh, let's let's play, Britt. Next time you're in town, oh, baby girl, uh, we'll take a walk through my neighborhood. And I'll show you the gym. Uh-oh. I it's impossible. I can't beat any of these people at the gym. Maybe you can. Oh, yeah. I love that. This is probably the only time we'll ever exercise. This when we'll go to the Pokemon <laughs> gym. <laughs> yeah, now don't don't get you know all the Pokemon Goed out because remember, eventually there is the Ghostbusters. Pokemon Go knockoff game coming. Oh, Wait, what? Go right. Ghostbusters. He's he's just, he's I just, knew about the Jurassic Park one. This no, is a real thing. Is this wants a Greg Miller the in your brain thing, or is this a real thing? This is a real thing, Simon. <laughs> there is a Ghostbusters Pokemon Go knockoff coming where you're going to walk around and catch ghosts. It's going to be great. Okay. There was another thing where you were like, I just want to will this thing to happen, so I'm just going to keep talking about it. And I was like, that's we'll not see. how it works. Rock like, City's that- making another game, Cyber, and you will see it. <laughs> well, that's true. Obviously, they're making another For game. I thought this was going to devolve into like a Patapon conversation. Oh, boy. Great question. Missing in action right now, Patapon 2. Where the fuck is it, Shuhei? Uh-oh. Every so often, I forget about it, and then there's I follow a Patapon Instagram account, and they remind me. They remind me that it got announced and it's missing. Okay, Simer, I will back him up. Ghostbusters World is the name of the game. And it is an augmented reality mobile game in the style of Pokemon Go. It's coming sometime in 2018. That's the only detail that we know. So, Brittany, you are invited to buy a Ghostbusters uniform and come hunt ghosts with me around San Francisco. Because yeah. there will be many a kind of funny video of me in full Proton Pack outfit walking around. I will be there. I will be your ride or Thank die you. for Ghostbusting. She she loves all the spooky things. I know. Well, okay. no, I, I need to know how to catch stuff. She's been, she's a Pokemon oh, Go I, I expert. That's why I'm inviting her. I got the th- yeah, I, I, I've got you. I'll catch all your she's shit. She's got the, the Pokeball flick down. See? Uh, that's why, Andrea, I know you don't know how to do it. No. Steimer would just sit there, give a side eye. We're wasting our time, wasting our money. No. Here, Andrea and I will come with you, but we'll be day drinking. Yeah, <laughs> I will be too. I'll have a thermos of mimosas. Just, it's you guys in these brown paper bags walking behind us. <laughs> we're like, we're with well, you guys are like in their weird outfits with your proton bags. Right, there's nothing weird about that. Yeah, be great. Form, right? It's very respective. <laughs> okay, I, I can't, I can't find my fucking Stardust. I don't know what Pokemon Go has done with my Stardust. I don't know how much. I okay, have. well, you take a look during our short break. When we come back for the second segment, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. I'm just gonna tell you guys we're gonna make it kind of brief because we have to get to our detroit spoiler cast uh but we are going to talk a little bit about what we have been playing this week but uh for now we will be right back Welcome back, everybody. It's segment two of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. Yeah. This week, Mr. Greg Miller joins us to talk about what he's been playing. Surprise, surprise, you've been playing Fortnite. Let's talk about a game that hasn't gotten enough love this episode. It's called Fortnite on Nintendo Switch. You might have heard of it. It's a big deal. So, okay, what what was the tipping point for you to finally get into this game? I think it was the fact that 
coming to Switch gave it a few different uh, hooks. It was the idea that suddenly in the office, we all had our own little units ready to go. Like, I have a PlayStation set up on my desk all the time. There's one in the studio. But outside of that, it's cables and updates and a million problems, right, that you just can't get to do. The gaming lifestyle, yeah. Exactly. And so when it came to Switch, it was, oh, cool, this is on Switch. Let's try it. Andy had already been super into Fortnite before this. He had been streaming it on his uh, personal channel. Uh, And Kevin's always looking for something fun to do. And so... When this came, we all downloaded it and started playing, and then Joey got obsessed with it, and she bought it and started playing. So we have just a permanent squad at the office now ready to go on a moment's notice. And it is that, hey, you know what? We have 20 minutes. Hey, we're done early today. Do you guys want to just play for a while? And we just sit there and play at our desks or go into the other room and stream, but often we're not even streaming. It is the communal accessibility of it and the ability to have it wherever we are whenever we want it. That's just – a weird thing to say, but it is so helpful. And I think I tinkered with it on mobile when it first dropped there. Cause I thought that was so cool to be able to take my account from PlayStation to mobile and back and forth. And obviously played it a few times for party modes and things like that. And was like, Oh, this is a game I could get into, but this is the other hook of it playing on PlayStation. Everyone was already so good that it was yeah. just like, well, I'm just getting destroyed. What's the fun in this? Whereas with switch jumping in, it was jumping into a new community All where the noobs are on switch to this day. Like if you're playing strictly switch, you are, I feel like I'm learning along with the community. And granted, there's plenty of people who have come over, like uh, Sancho West and people who are amazing at Fortnite and have put in a lot of hours elsewhere are coming in and just cleaning people's clocks. But I'm still competitive, and I've still won- I've won on this one. Whereas with PS4, I never had that hook. I never had those never glimmers. I'm getting better. Oh wait, wrong game. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten that on PlayStation 4 either. Victory Royale is what it's yeah. called. Yeah. I got one, a victory royale when I was playing on mobile, but I think it's because like a bunch of people just dropped out of the game. (laughs) Take it. I'll take it. Take the wings where you can get them. Yes, girl. Yeah. How was it playing it in handheld mode? Terrible. Don't do it. No, I don't, I don't at all use the joy cons. I always, I, it's, this is the thing about Fortnite that's really fascinating is, it's got me carrying my Switch with me every day and playing it every day. And it's also, I was talking about this on Gamescast, and it sounds goofy, I'm sure. It's the first game I'm playing on Switch where I'm memorizing the Switch buttons. Where for the first time I know where the A and B are and where the X and Y are and how they're in reverse order and totally goofy. On Zelda it was simple enough, right? Of like, oh well, what I think is going to confirm is actually going to cancel and what should cancel will actually confirm. And that was like the one time to memorize that and remember that for Mario. Whereas now what I'm doing is, I do play it in a handheld mode, but I just put it up on its kickstand and then, or sorry, what do they call it? TV mode? Or not TV mode, whatever. Sitting mode. And then I play with my uh, the the pro controller I'm carrying with me all the time, and so, so you had to carry a pro controller with you. I don't have to. I choose to. If okay. I you don't, I mean, if if I really was, I mean, Kevin plays it the other way once in a while. Uh, Scott Lowe, when we were hanging out with him, because it was like after E three, we went to Scott's house, and it was the commercial where I was. Uh, me and Scott were having a conversation. And I was talking about how much I had enjoyed playing Fortnite on Switch a couple days ago, and he's like, oh, "I downloaded." it. I'm like, "You have it? Let's play it right now!" And we busted it out. And then Jen, my wife's like, "What? I'll download it," and she downloaded it. And then James Faulkner walked out. He's like, oh, I have it on my phone. And I was like, oh, we, we, in two seconds, everybody was playing. And I was like, this is bizarre. But it's, it, it's the Switch commercial. It is. Life. And there's something to that of having that ability, having that accessibility, having, you know, it, on top of those two reasons I've given you why it works for me, it's then just why Fortnite's so successful is that it's fun. It's pretty. I feel like I'm doing better. I know I'm learning. And then it's always that thing of like, well, my XP bar is always filling in and I'm always so close to that next level of battle pass. Why not play a little bit more? I only have this much time. Don't bother playing something else. Jump in and do this. 
Are you as hooked on smashing llamas as I am? When I see them, sure. <laughs> Dude, I love smashing llamas. Well, in Save the World, there's a lot of llama, like llama loot boxes that you get. Um, just like they just gift them to you. Every I've only day. run into two of them in the open wilds of uh Is that the only way you can get them in Battle Royale? Yeah, you see them out in the field, yeah. Mm. Have yeah. either of you tried Battle Royale in Fortnite? I mean, it's time or you the and I played time, that one time. The one time you and I did. That was it. I haven't mm. downloaded it. Any- well, I've downloaded it on my phone, but I actually never played it. Now, Greg, how important is it to actually build when you're playing Fortnite? It's very important. Uh, like, this was the thing of, I think, in PlayStation 4, when we'd be playing or doing a party mode, and Andy'd be like, build, build. I'm like, I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, I'm dying. I don't know what's happening. Whereas with Switch, it was my learning curve has been like so many people I see playing, where it yeah. is, I'm not doing it, and then I'm using the other people who are doing it. I'm seeing what they do. Running around, you know, avoiding it, using what they've built. But then there was on Saturday of this past week where I actually started winning. It was a weird moment where I was playing and I was like, oh man, the, the storm's coming in behind me. I need to get up there. All right. And I, I'm in Builder Pro and I, I, you know, I hit A, brought up, made a bunch of ramps, ran over, made a bunch of flats and ran, and I was like, whoa, I, I just it. did that without thinking. You I know what I mean? It. And then it yeah. became, you know, the, the thing of, so, you know, you get shot and it's like, oh crap. All right. Wall, 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 wall. All right. Now wall, wall, wall. And then a ramp up to the wall so I can peer over the side and see. It's like, oh, like I get it. Like, it, and yeah. it's really, oh, now I need heal. Wall, 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 cover. It's just practice. And what I've always told people, cause I don't obviously play battle royale. I play save the world. If you are interested in learning how to build proficiently, like practice in save the world. Yeah. There's so many ways. To build there because there's specific missions where you have to build out specific things. And then obviously you have your home base where you can just play around and build whatever you want with the resources that you have. And I think that that's what really what sets, you know, Battle Royale in Fortnite apart from all of the other Battle Royale genres is like this building mechanic and how people are using it. Yeah. I feel like every time I've played and I've lost, it's because some dick has made some giant <laughs> fucking tower. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like squatting at the top of his tower and like, well, you're going to walk up these stairs and I'm going to shoot you in the face as soon as you get here. Yeah. And I'm like, you motherfucker. Yeah, yeah that- no, it's bad. Like, and that's the thing is like, wh- when we're playing as a squad right now, the, the kind of funny kids, like, we know where we're at. And so when we're like, see, all right, well, come on. Oh, co- it's always contact this. All right, cool. And then it's like, oh, crap, somebody's building. They know what they're doing. We're going to die. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they've built a crazy structure and we are screwed. And the hey, other day. the chance that they'll kill themselves accidentally by falling off that tower. True. And like, well, this is the, the other day. Uh, I'm like, all right, cool. I get it. And we were running the walls behind us. And it was like, all right, cool. It's coming in tight. We've been looting. I'm like, I'm going to build a ramp into the sky, drop the flat piece, put down my jump pad. We'll launch and we'll go. Because if you launch off a jump pad, there's no fall damage when you come down, let alone the fact that you get up and you can use your glider again. And so I'm running up the th- I'm building, 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 running up the thing. I lay it down. I put down the jump pad. I'm like, all right, guys. And as I go to jump on it, someone had rocketed the ramps behind me, and they just caught up to us, and it fell. And me and Kevin went oh. down without ever touching the touchpad. I was like, damn it. But it was like, well, we were close. We knew what we were doing. Yeah. We just didn't execute the plan. Drat. Yeah. Shit happens, I guess. I know. But yeah, it's it's... I understand why people are obsessed with it, and I am now obsessed with it because it's just fun, good way to blow off steam. And like, it's crazy when I, you know, I go to bed at a normal hour, and then we start playing again in the morning, and Joey's gone up like ten levels, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like the fact that it's she's not sleeping. I don't. Well, think I know. She well, and we already know she has an addictive personality. We've all heard her stardew stories. Like, 
it's this thing that's pulling in all these different t- kinds of people and gamers and just getting us to do something that's weird and interesting. And we're using crossplay and Andy's playing on a PC because his switch is broken. Great. And like, it's awesome and it's fun. I don't know how long it'll last for us, but I'm super in. I'm excited for the next season. It's coming up quick. Maybe I'll jump in next season. You should, yeah. Because in what, 12 days or something? Yeah, they extended, I think two days was the story today. And then this weekend they're giving plus 100, uh, 100% XP to try to let everybody get as much as they can out of season four. Oh, well. Maybe, ladies, maybe. Uh, Britt, I have down here that you have been playing The Awesome Adventures of Captain mm. Spirit, which as a reminder, if you guys missed it, um, we did a panel at the E3 Coliseum, facebook.com slash E3 Expo. You also talked to Michelle. Yep. At the GameSpot's website? Well, you can catch it. Kind of funny. You don't oh. have to go there anymore, please. Oh, well. Kind of funny. Uh, YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Perfect. Or you can go to GameSpot. I'm kidding around. Keep keep have, hiring us to do things GameSpot. Yeah, I mean, we also were at the GameSpot co-op stage. We kicked things off on Tuesday. Yeah, it was did. amazing. Cheers to GameSpot, everybody! Yay, GameSpot! <laughs> um, I don't have anything. I'll cheers an empty cup. <laughs> so, if you guys didn't catch it, this was a free download on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. It is a, a short story set in the Life is Strange universe. They, of course, put out, don't not put out a Life is Strange 2 teaser um, just a, a, a couple of days ago. I'm going to say this, Brett. I feel like we should hold Captain Spirit for next week and talk about it ahead of our um, Games of the Year so far show. Ooh. Perfect. Is, is it that, that good? Okay? Uh, I don't th- well, I, I want to give people means. a couple of days okay. to play okay. just because it just came out. <laughs> okay. And because it's so narrative heavy, I sure. think it'll be really hard to talk, to talk about without spoiling something. Yeah, I, even the tweets I was seeing, like Klepik tweeted about it today, and yeah. I know the basis, a basic idea yeah. of it, and it sounds powerful and cool. But I'm like, I don't, I don't, I need to just play this already. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we're prob- gonna give you guys. It's a one to two hour experience, so it's really short, and there's nothing in there that's gonna blow your mind. You know, so anything people tweet out, it's like you can see where this is going. But I agree. Sure. We can talk about it in a week. More people can play. So it's kind of like farewell. Would you say? Yeah, last time where you've played it. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what to compare it to. <laughs> it's, I, I'll just hold off my like opinions on it because I, I would talk yeah. about it without spoiling it. Yeah. How about this? Because it's so short, next week we'll do like mini spoiler cast for Captain Spirit and then we'll do our game of the year so far conversation. So just so you guys know, that's what's going to happen on the show next week. You've got some time. You've got a full week to play this two-hour experience. And it's free, so you really have no excuses. Uh, but, Britt, you've also been playing. Now, is this Vampire or Vampire? I don't fucking Did we know. get a final, a final thing? I feel like Greg's been calling it Vampire. What? I called it Vampire in the shows. Then people wrote in to yell at me and say, that's not how you say it. And I called and it And then vampire. I said, when you spell it that close to Vampire... Fuck you, don't nod. It's vampire. And I called but it vampire. I think it would be people yelled at me too. I don't know. Wouldn't it be pyre if they put an E on the end? I don't know. I don't it know. It would be, but also, why are you putting a Y in there? If you wanted to be called because vampire, it's just use okay. a fucking I and an E, like a, like a, it's spelled. I think there's a Y Maybe in there because reason. you have to make choices. This is a don't nod game. And when you have to make choices that affect the story, you have a little radio radial circle, and then the decisions look like a Y. You have a decision in the upper oh. left, the upper right, and on the bottom, and it looks like a Y. I don't know if that's like the clever thing they're trying to take mm. with that, but that's yeah. Let's put it in our font. Let's put it in our font. So I'm only maybe like <laughs> three hours into this. Um, so I'm at a point where right now I see a lot of potential in this game. I see where it can be very 
good. Is it the prettiest game? Absolutely not. I mean, I'm playing next. We have two TVs in our living room, and Jason's currently playing God of War on a PS4 Pro. And so, like, I'm playing, <laughs> I'm playing Vampire, and I'm looking at God of War. I'm like, hot damn. However, that said, I think Vampire Vampire is doing some really interesting things in terms of narrative, and the setting of it is really interesting to me. So I'm in it for that. Um, so how the, I talked about this, gosh, two E3s ago when I saw it uh, in a behind closed doors demo. But the premise is, is that you are someone named Jonathan Reed and you are a doctor. The Spanish flu is kicking everyone's ass and you are attacked by a vampire. You are turned into a vampire. You kill your sister. This all happens within the first couple of minutes. So don't worry. You kill your sister and you're like, holy shit, I'm an awful, terrible person, but I still have my humanity, but I'm really thirsty. And the game, <laughs> as I can, as I can tell, is going to be you struggling through those decisions as you continue through the game. So. There's RPG elements in the sense that you can gain certain abilities. Like you, ha- yeah, girl, hang up, hold up that. Pillow. It was a little late, but you said I'm really thirsty. <laughs> I love you so much. Never change, Andrew. Sorry, you're amazing. I couldn't, you're help, I couldn't help myself. Uh, and so you, there are abilities you can unlock. So when you're fighting, when you're in combat, you have to stun enemies and then you bite them to get blood, and then with the blood you can heal yourself, or you can unleash special abilities that you can only do while using blood. Um. And to unlock further abilities and to get even more badass, you have to use XP. And you get XP through killing enemies and completing quests. The problem is when you can kill normal enemies, you don't get a lot of XP. When you complete quests, you don't get a lot of XP. Maybe like 30 XP. However, if you kill a civilian, you can get up to like 1,500 XP is what I've seen so far. Oh, my God. Kill them all. Yep. So, so when you start the game, it says there's no difficulty level. The game will be easier depending will be easiest depending on how many people you kill. So essentially how so they're OP- incentivizing you to murder innocent people. How OP do you want to get? So the game has this social circle dynamic where you meet people, you interact with them. There's a lot of dialogue and you kind of learn who their social circle, who's in their social circle and who are they with? What are their morals? And if the, you come across someone who has no one in their social circle, you can probably mesmerize them and then kill them and get their XP and no one will probably care. However, if you kill like the head of that's the, sad. If you kill, if you eat the head of or go for the loners, you, <laughs> suck the blood of the head of the hospital, you know, people are going to notice and that's going to have a ripple effect. And also in the game, it says take actions for your uh, or no, take responsibility for your actions. So, so far, I am trying not to kill anyone. The co- the combat seems a little unbalanced in the sense that if I just mash the X button, I'm able to kill enemies that are like a few levels above me and without difficulty. Um, so I guess what I'll say is like I don't expect this to be the most polished game, but I expect I I think it's going to have a very interesting story and characters and do something a little different, and that's what I'm playing it for. Um, but you know we'll see how it plays out. I'm only like I said a few hours in. Looks promising. That seems to be what everybody who has played it has said, right? I played it for an hour, uh, when it first was out for review, uh, before Kevin came over for a way out. And it was the same thing you're saying, Britt, right? Where combat didn't feel engaging. I like the story where it's going. Uh, you know, when Tim went and played Kingdom Hearts 3, he came away and he's like, this is gonna sound weird, but it feels like what a PlayStation 2 game would feel like on PlayStation 4. This game looks and moves like what I feel a PlayStation 2 game would play like in this generation, Absolutely. if that makes sense. Where, but it's one of those things, warts and all, so many people are into it, invested in it, and I can totally see where if I didn't have other things to play, I would sit there and want to see how this guy's story turns out. Yeah, I'm, I'm invested so far, so good. I'm, I'm excited to play more after we get done recording the show. 
But, you know, I feel like there's like grace period in the few hours of every game where it all looks so promising. It just doesn't live mm, up to that mm. potential. And that's what I'm not sure of right now. Check in with me in a week or so, Andrea Renee. How long you is this game it, supposed to be? Uh, I think 12 plus hours. Okay. Yeah. 12-ish plus. I think it depends. Like, you know, there's exploration. There are side quests you can do. It depends. There's crafty. So I think it depends how deep you really want to get into it. That's what she said. Uh, Steimer. Uh-huh. You finished motherfucking Persona. Hallelujah. Something that did not take 12 hours. I feel like you've been working on this, like, the entirety of this podcast. Like, since we launched. Yeah. Like, since we launched. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Might be true. It might be true. And I finally crossed the finish line last night, and that made me very happy to be like, I'm done. I did it. And then I tweeted about it. And that I think is my most favorite tweet ever, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but also then people responding who are like, and now the platinum. I'm like, go fuck yourself. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was a day in my life when I would probably be excited about that. That was a long time ago. I am no longer the person who wants to platinum anything, <laughs> let alone a multi hundred hour RPG. Shade. Uh, no, there's what? no shade. shade. Well, she's looking at me because she knows I like trophies, but Christine needs to, oh. Christine needs to prove nothing when it comes to platinums. I saw her walk around with spreadsheets to platinum Persona 4 Golden. Oh, yeah. She needs to yes. prove nothing. I, I did, and I will never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Lesson learned. So, uh, so uh, do you feel, you feel like, uh, uh, cathartic? Like a, a chapter has closed? You're ready to move on with your life? Yeah, kind of. And I do think, um, there's a couple things that I enjoyed more than Persona 4 Golden. I still do think that that game had something intangible special about it. However, that may have just been because it was on my Vita and I took my Vita with me everywhere. So I always felt very connected to that game. Whereas my PlayStation, I leave it and sometimes I don't turn it on for like days at a time and it's hard for me to get back into that mindset. Um, so I think if I, if this had been on the Switch, for instance, I would have had a much stronger tie to it because it would just be with me all the time. Um, but I think the story was a lot more interesting. I really liked what they did with the psychology of people's desires and cognition changing um, and how it gets twisted. I also really enjoyed the animal care. Like, so, you know, Persona 4, Persona 4 Golden, speak slower, has Teddy. Teddy's story never really made a lot of sense, I feel like. Maybe it's just been a long time since I've played it, but I always felt like it was a bit of a, uh, like, whatever. I'm what trying to He's an amnesia boy thrown into like, the shadow realm that is a stuffed bear. What's so hard to understand? <laughs> it was really weird, right? And then I feel like Morgana's makes, her, his story makes so much more sense. He's annoying as fuck when he tells you to go to sleep all the time. But other than that, I really enjoyed that character and I really liked his story arc and how that paid off. Um, and I also enjoyed... Just the story arc in general. I think this, to me, felt better in terms of it, the story making sense versus Persona 4. Uh, I, I like, was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can kind of see where this is all coming together. Whereas, uh, P4, I was like, what? They just took a few liberties there. Where I was just like, we're going to leap across this chasm and hope that nobody notices. <laughs> well, now that you've finished it, do you think it deserves all of the uh, nominations it got in the Game of the Year considerations last year, like RPG of the Year, like Best Narrative, et cetera, et cetera? I think it's a pretty strong contender for a lot of things. 
Um, I also forgot everything that came out last year. So don't, um, don't the only game that matters, Horizon, Avi. Oh, I mean, I would still probably have picked Horizon for my game of the year that that year um, because Horizon made me feel the need to stay up until two o'clock in the morning. Granted, the last few days I have stayed up until one or two finishing this game, <laughs> uh, but that was just more of me being like, "God damn it, get to just get this over game with." <laughs> Whereas Horizon was like, "I'm so delighted and awed by this world." I will. Persona had like a weird love hate relationship with this time around because I often felt like, man, I really want to get this done. And that to me put a sort of pressure on myself, which then made the game less fun. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of screwing myself over in that sense, but what it's over now. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) Now you've crossed the finish line, right? Done it. Yeah. Yeah. I see what, I see what you're saying. Um, but I'm glad that you've had that closure and now you can put Persona behind you. Unlike Greg, who will never finish Persona. I think you should just like call it. Oh like, no! Yeah. I've never, I've never ever said would... I'm getting yeah. back to it. Like he already I, made I a lo- bet on Persona once and he lost. So yeah. I think he's learned. His <laughs> I had to watch you and Goldfarb eat that pizza when I didn't plan on it. No, like yeah. I, everything Christine said, I, I echo. And I'm, I'm somebody who stopped thirty hours in or whatever. But it was the idea of getting there and saving and looking at the save clock and being like, I have sixty eight hours left. Like I can't fathom putting that aside and doing this. And it, it, even at 30 hours, it was the same thing of like, f- can I just, uh, am I not strong enough to beat this boss? I just want to get through this boss. And I was like, maybe I'll dial to easy. And I was like, no, like I'm not playing this the right way. And I'm definitely just not in the right mindset for it. And I think for me, it's the same reason I love golden so much. And what uh, Steimer's saying is like, being portable made so much sense where it was, you could go through it, pause it, and you know, by turning off the power, put it in your pocket, forget about it, come back 10 minutes later, 10 hours later, 10 days later. And it was there. Whereas like being anchored to my couch for that long, even though what 130 hours into monster hunter this year, like it's, I, it happens that I cross that threshold so much further, but knowing how much is in front of you and feeling like it is that I just have people on the internet riding me to try to do it or whatever. I think it's okay to say that it just didn't grab you the way that you wanted it to. No, and I and I have no problem with that. And that's my thing is I think, you know, I think presentation-wise and story-wise and everything I saw from it, I was like, man, this is doing it better than Persona 4 Golden did, but I just don't have the drive, hook, initiative, whatever you want to call it right now to do it. I played the entirety of Persona 5 on a treadmill. I read about. Hours. I heard about that. Oh yeah, we're up my tennis shoes. You're, got it. You're a better woman than all of us, Brett. Um, I did play a little bit of games, but we're gonna probably skip that to go straight into the spoiler cast uh, because all I was doing was more Breath of the Wild. Oh my God, just, it's been it's been my thing. So I have just Shapes and Beasts, which I've been playing on my Switch because um, I've been flying a little bit, and that game, the music in that game is so incredible. But fuck, that game is hard. Don't they have a baby-ass um, baby mode where you don't die? They don't. No. No, they don't. Um, or if they do, I just... I thought, I I thought somebody looked. wrote in about that. I think I need to deep, dip into the settings and check it out. Because I like, think when we played at GDC, the, the main... Sorry, dude, I can't remember your name. Main developer dude was like, yeah, we have a essentially a baby-ass baby mode in here if you just want to play and enjoy the music. I'm pretty sure he said that. Cause, yeah, I should look up what his name is because I've talked to him. Because I remember talking to him when I played his game the first time at PAX on PC. Mm-hmm. Just hold on, I'm gonna look to this up the right now. Google machine. 
Google machine. Yeah, somebody I think wrote in after we you complained about. Oh, you said that from and then, Berserk Studios. You said that, and then I was like, yeah, yeah we did a party mode. It was really hard. Yeah. Somebody wrote in. I think the Games Daily being like I, they worked on the game and that there's something in there that you can okay. enjoy. Okay, that with. might be true. Not to say I'm not going to go back and try it out, and that I shouldn't try it just because it's hard. I I just like I was like, you know what would be easier. Uh, me just cooking some mushroom risotto balls <laughs> in fucking Zelda. Oh my god. That sounds easy. That would be easy. That sounds easy. I love let's, you. Let's do that. Um, so we don't need to talk about, about that. Cause Confirm we, there is a casual mode. Okay, good. We have talked ad nauseum about Zelda. Um, we're gonna take a short break and then when we come back, the Detroit Become Human spoiler cast. Stay with us everybody. We'll see ya in a minute. Everybody, it's the final segment of the show. That's right. You've been waiting for the... Tr- <clears throat> Damn it, I thought I was going to nail it. You Didn't landed on it. your feet, baby girl. Thanks, Brett. The Detroit Become Human spoiler cast. <laughs> Greg, thank you so much for coming by to do this. I well, know that uh, you've been looking forward to this game for a while, and obviously it came out last month now. It's been almost a full month since this game released. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into your questions that you guys wrote into dear WGG, what were your like high level takeaways from Detroit? Did you did you like it? Did you hate it? I know that when I first saw you playing it, you were like, "This is amazing," and then you were like, "Maybe it's not. Yeah, maybe it's not that crazy, but it's still good." It exceeded my expectations for quite some time. Where Jen and I, I started it, we were going to Judges Week. Yeah. And Jen and I started it, and it was just on, oh, I got this, like, let's see what it's like. And then it, it quickly became, played all Friday night, played the majority Saturday, and then packed the PlayStation 4 to bring it down to LA with us, because we were so into it, to the point that we were going to dinner, and we got in the car, and we are just sitting there in silence. And then we both turned to each other and started talking about just random, we were just thinking about Detroit. And then... The further you are, are, we just in spoiler territory. Can we oh, just yeah. go? Oh yeah. Yes. So in case it wasn't clear from me saying this was our Detroit Become Human spoiler <laughs> cast, <laughs> if you have not played the game, we are going to go deep into spoiler Spoil territory. Meaning nothing is off limits. You should have finished the game by this point. But I do want to make a caveat, and I'm glad you brought that up because somebody wrote in to us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com and said, "Hey, I like listening to your spoiler cast, but sometimes." I like listening, even though I didn't finish the game. Could you maybe do a brief synopsis of what happened in the game? So for folks like me, who mm. never played the game, have a little bit of baseline knowledge as to what's going on. Oh, so maybe we do that real quick first, like the high level uh, of what happened in, in Detroit. In 60 Humor. seconds. Yes. So 60 seconds. Here we go. Um, it's set in the year 2038, I believe, in the future in Detroit in the United States. Detroit has now become the center for android production, meaning humanoid-like figures that look like humans but are actually robots and have robot parts. And the idea is that you can buy these different levels of androids and they do different things. You can buy a housekeeper, you can buy a driver, you can buy a sexy maid person who does sexy maid things. That's, I combined. You can buy a prostitute. 
Yeah, essentially, yes. Uh, you can, they're making athlete androids, and we are living in a world where we follow the story of three separate androids, Connor, Marcus, and Kara. And throughout Detroit, their stories kind of interweave, and you play from the perspective of each of these three androids. And it's very heavily narrative based, like most Quantic Dream games. It's quick time events, it's narrative, and it's really, Sometimes consequences of your actions, you mm-hmm. have to yeah. correct. The ripple effect, exactly. And so that's like on a high level, that's kind of what the game is. And uh, if you've seen anything, like Marcus is uh, an android that is kind of trying to inspire the android revolution. Uh, as the androids awaken and become self-aware and sentient, they're like trying to organize themselves into their own new life form. Kara is just trying to look out for the human daughter quote human uh that she is caring after and then connor is a police officer who is actually hunting down deviant androids who have gone rogue and essentially gone sentient and are self-aware and no longer are following their instructives so like if you had you know, a caretaker android, and you're like, hey, I want you to pick up my kid from school. And they're like, no, I'm done working for you. Like, they're now deviant. Uh, is that good? Did I miss? Yeah. I didn't miss. Yeah. Yeah. Connor's no, technically not a police officer, but he's sent from this Detroit high level, high level cyber life detective, whatever. Well, and then I'm only saying that because a lot of the plot points are like the police department being ro- like awful to him. Right. And how they all interact. That's all. Oh, yeah, you're right. He's cyber life. Were yeah. the androids given specific? I thought I could buy any android and tell him to do anything. I didn't. I didn't. I never read into it that like, oh, Kara is a housekeeper android. That's all she can do. Right. I read it into it that the mod specific model was mm, built mm, with mm. skill a skill set that they were meant to do a specific thing, and okay. that you could buy models that have more skill sets. But okay. that, like, okay. there's like the a cheaper tier. models have like very limited. I think. Gotcha. All yeah. right. So I the game was just. I was like, wow, this is so much better than I expected to. It's, it looks great. This is like, you know, when you're Marcus and you wake up in the pit of other androids, it was like, what so the creepy. fuck is going on, right? This is awesome. And how much, uh, as, uh, as Marcus, I cared about the old man I'm taking care of. Uh, as it goes on, the relationship between, uh, Hank and Connor and being like, this is awesome. Clancy Brown killing it, as always. Clancy Brown being fantastic. But then, Marcus's story starts exponentially leaping in logic and what it's going on, where it's like, cool, he doesn't know what he's doing. All right, he's rebooting himself. All right, there's this thing called Jericho. I already got to Jericho. Sees, like, literally a thing of parts. He's like, we should go steal all these parts. Okay, you steal all the parts. You come back. We believe in you, Marcus. What do we do? Let's take down a TV station. It's like, what the fuck? Okay, now we're leading the Android revolution. I have somehow figured out that if I just touch androids, I can tell them they're sentient. Like, what the fuck is going on? You're awake now. That was exactly his big thing. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he eventually, eat, and like then Connor has that ability. It's just like, all right. And so it just it went from I thought doing so much better to then just coming down and being cheesy, but then still being a great experience and a fun story and cool sci-fi and being a game that I enjoyed enough that I went through in platinum. Like I sat there, like even though I was like, oh man, it kind of got weird at the end. I sat there and went through and did all the branching stuff i needed to do and collect all the magazines i needed to do and like a lot of the scenes are super poignant and yes there is the you know quantic dream ham-fistedness of things right mainly Kara talking to that woman who's taking all the androids in her house like yeah it's a little on the nose and even when marcus is like 
quoting MLK and doing these sit-ins. It's like, all right, I'm a little bit too much. But you can kind yeah. of avoid some of that, though. Yeah, of course you. Can, yeah, you can never see it, but when, I mean, when it does happen, or not choose it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like specifically stayed away from some of those taglines. I was like, mm, well, no, yeah, thank right. you. Like, <laughs> yeah, and when they're popping them up, but I mean, like at the end, like I mean, especially like going through and doing stuff I didn't get on my real playthrough, like being you and I talked about this, I think, where it was uh, Kara and Alice having to go to uh, like the concentration camp for robots or whatever, where you walk in and they immediately make them strip and then make them go to their white, like nothing on phase and then like no skin, put yeah. them into this thing that's going to wipe their memories. It was like, this is fucked up. Dude, it felt so much. Like a, yeah, it felt so much like a concentration camp. We'll get we'll get to that in just one second. Um, let me get to our first question from Molly. 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 Hello, my favorite people in Detroit Become Human. Who are some who are some notable people you killed, purposely or not? That was a lasting impression. On my second playthrough, going for the platinum, which I yep, got, yep. I had to kill the Tracys outside the mm-hmm. Eden Club to get a freaking trophy, and I almost died with sadness. They just loved each other. Start angry, Greg voice. Curse you trophies for making me do terrible things. I also um, killed them, but you more did accidentally. It was like that was just the way the things started to escalate and I didn't know what was happening. And then I hit the gun trigger and then she died and then the other one died. And I was like, oh, shit. Sarah was texting me while she was playing this. She's like, yeah, I accidentally killed the Tracy's. I'm like, that is a premeditated choice. How did you do that? <laughs> like the button popped up and I hit it. I'm like, all right, well. Well, because it was like, you know, Quantic Dream has all these quick time events and you have this whole fight sequence where you're you're just you're in heightened mode. And so you see someone coming at you and you just hit the button. And then I was like, oh, shit, wait. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, terribly sorry, sorry about that. that. <laughs> so I learned about myself while playing this game. That if I'm going, I play games for the story and the characters. Now, if I'm going to play a game that already has a predetermined story and it's going to be dark and fucked up, think like The Last of Us, I'm good with that. I can handle it. But if it's a quantic dream game where the, the t- entirety of the story depends on my actions, it fucking stresses me out so bad. Because I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to live and have their best life, which is why I purposefully did not play this game before E3. It was already a stressful time the way it was. <laughs> so, so I get back from E3 and I'm like, okay, this still doesn't sound that great, but I hopped into it, immediately was absorbed by the story. So I don't think I killed anyone. So actually, no, I take that back. The very first scene with Connor, when you're trying to save the little girl uh, who's being held by the, the deviant. Um, Daniel I, was his name, I believe. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I sacrificed Connor. It's a good memory. Yeah, that guy was an asshole. I sacrificed Connor in order to save the girl. So Connor's like fallen from the rooftop and it's like the super dramatic scene. I'm like, oh, he'll just be put back together. And then the little flowchart pops up and it's like, but Connor sacrificed himself and there's a little skull next to his face. I'm like, did I really kill my character in the very first scene that I played? So I started over. And so what I did with this game is spoilers. You can kill Connor over and over again. <laughs> oh, see, so yeah, yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. Connor comes he di- back. He, you can you kill were correct. So Connor- yeah, so the whole thing with Connor is that because he is a cyber life uh, investigative android, if he dies in your playthrough, they just reboot his memory into a new body of Connor and he comes <gasps> right back to your game. Yeah, so this is what I had found. I was super confused at first because, like, yes, I did the similar thing, Brittany, where I didn't mean to sacrifice him, but I went to, like, yeah, yeah. grab the girl and you fall off the building. And I, was, and I did the same thing where I was like, oh, no, I'm already dead with this character. Mm-hmm. Goodbye forever. Uh, and then he comes back up and I was like, 
bitch, where'd you come from? <laughs> and he also doesn't, like, nobody makes any remarks yet at this point about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, okay, I guess. So like, whatever, you play through that. I think he dies again. I killed him, like, three times. Oh, damn. Um, because I shielded Hank at that point. Connor's down. Then the next time, Hank finally acknowledges and is like, it's really creepy that you're here when I saw you die. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> this is a strange thing. And this is why it took me so long, I think, to do my first playthrough of Detroit and why I don't think I'll go back. is because I, again, gives me a lot. It stresses me out. Every time I made a bad decision, whenever someone would like their opinion of me would go down or if Connor's software stability would uh, go up, stability would go up. I would reboot the chapter and start from the Oh, shit. No, 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 no. No, and I did. And I know you're not supposed to do it that way. I know even Chloe, our friend Chloe in the game, was like, my master says you should do, you should just stick with your decisions the first time around. Like, Chloe, fuck you. I have to do it this way. (laughs) So, true story. I didn't know that Chloe changes because I ran through Detroit in one sitting and never once went Uh, back to the main menu. Wait, she changes? From start to finish. So, yeah. So, apparently, when you're playing Detroit, if you, like, you know, stop the game or whatever, you leave your console, you come back two days later, she'll, like, have different commentary based on how you've been playing the game. Uh, and then, like, how her commentary is reacts yeah, see, to how you, the decisions you've made. I beat the game in a weekend, and I only put the thing in sleep mode, so I never had to go back to the... Yeah screen and i always went yeah. back to the main menu because i was booting up my chapter every other like every other minute <laughs> you were cheating was, huh you were cheating no that's not cheating that's the way i like to play these games i'm not going to play through mm. it again and i knew i wouldn't play through it again so if i'm going to play right, I'm that's why you just read all the other endings on the internet like not i my did ending. It's, this is my problem <laughs> you gotta experience them no i understand this Brittany, because one of the things so greg was the only person who had beaten this game when i was playing it neither of you had so i'm like fuck i can't tell them anything and i'm i'm freaking out i'm like you Brittany. i'm having heart palpitations yeah, I can't handle it i'm very very concerned and very stressed over these virtual characters and so i remember just being like i'm stuck at the loading or not the loading screen i'm stuck on the flow chart of destruction like because i'm just <laughs> i called it something better than that i don't yeah. remember what it was but um the flow chart of indecision maybe like just because you're sitting there and you're paralyzed by like oh my god this could go all of these different ways yeah i don't know which one it's going to be and i hope it's nothing bad because all i want is for these people to be okay. Mm-hmm. Not everyone was okay. Connor did bite the dust for real at the very end. Uh, but everyone else is fine. Marcus is alive and Kara and the little girl Alice nope. are uh, in Canada living their best life. <sighs> I mean, it, it, I it speaks to how like attached and immersed I got into this game, right? That I, I cared so much, but man, that, that's not a good way to play this game. Don't, don't do what I did. It takes. Well, that something. was the hardest. Oh, go ahead. Oh, wait, the hardest thing about going back for the platinum, right, was the idea of I already made my choices and like I'm the opposite of you, Brit, of it happens. And even if I for me, the most painful death was Connor's at the very end because I screwed it up where I when bad Connor came over to good Connor and he's on the ground, I grabbed his arm for the transfer. And then it went from like it was L2 and then, you know, square to do whatever the next thing was. And I let go of L2 and hit square and it did like the red L2. And I was like, no, I didn't realize there's a hole. And so he died there. And I was like, like, oh, fuck, like yeah. Connor and Hank were my favorite relationship in yes. that game. 
So to see him go down like that, I was like, that sucks. But I got to the end and yeah, Allison Carr made it to Canada along with Luther. Uh, Marcus and everybody got shot to death by the cops, but they were, they, I did peaceful protest all the way. And then at that one point when it's like, do you want to sing or kiss or what they're, I, whatever the one that leads to their death is the one that I chose no. and they all got blown away. Singing, I was like, I was fine. I did singing. I kissed yeah. and then I got the good ending for them. And see, I went peaceful the whole way in the game until you had to choose if you were going to march or fight. And I chose to fight Ooh. at the very end. Did anybody else fight? No. Obviously, oh. you planned yeah, yeah. I was but, peaceful. So, so the fight at the end of the game is crazy because the quick time events come fucking fast yep. and furious during that battle for Detroit. So the very end of the game, if you choose to fight, uh, you have these several different moments throughout the fight where you're like advancing forward on your position where you have to choose to like have a group give cover fire or to charge. And each of these groups is led by one of the leaders of Jericho. So what is that? That's a uh, North. North, your, your, your girlfriend, um, Simon and Josh. RIP and Josh and Josh. Simon's dead on the top of a building for me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I also, so during these places, so I'm like, this is the one part of the game where I got angry at, at the way that the choices were laid out. Cause I was like, I feel like I've been forging relationships with these people who are running Jericho this entire game. And now you're going to tell me because I choose to charge or cover fire wrong, I have to sacrifice one of them. That's when I got really mad towards the end. I was like, this feels bullshit. This feels like almost the kind of anger I had in like some of the bullshit in like the Mass Effect 3 ending drama oh. where I'm like, I've been building up all the shit. And that was way, obviously way worse. Cause like that was like 70 hours of build up versus like eight <laughs> hours of build up way different. Right. But I was like, I've been building up. I've been making all these choices. I've been doing all the things right. I've been, and then now I, because I chose to charge instead of lay down cover fire, he's dead, you know? And like, I got to a point where I was going to go save Simon because he got shot. And they're like, save Simon or go over here. And uh, the, it said odds of saving, saving Simon's success 10% or whatever. And I was like, well, clearly I'm not going to go out there. Then I'm going to, Marcus is going to die. Like, so I, like, I can't save him. I have to just watch him like bleed out or whatever. It was, it was yep, intense. I but, killed yeah, him it's, because I didn't want them to get his chip memory. Uh, about oh, the during thing. that scene, so I had to, rooftop, yeah. I had to put him down. Yeah, because I mean, so during that whole thing, I, I basically screwed up. Like the when you're trying to sneak into the guards, I like messed. I don't know what I did, messed something up. So they saw us; they were shooting at us. He gets shot. Then because then you kind of gotta go, like you just gotta go in full force at that point. Um, and I also did the bad thing where like the guy was running away and I definitely shot him in the back. I'm sorry. Oh man. I'm sorry. On my, on my real playthrough, I was like, I'm going to be peaceful. I'm going to win people. I'm going to win hearts and minds. Yeah. And when that dude ran, I was like, that was the owner. I was like, fuck, but you know, yeah. shot. I'm like, yeah. I don't want, this isn't going to play well with the media, but you got, I can't have you not letting me get my broadcast out. I mean, yeah. it, it's hard with games like this because your decisions are predetermined. It's written in the game code. Like even sure. if you think you're making the right decision, the game could have determined that you're making the wrong decision. 
And so even if narratively it makes sense to you, the game might be like, aha, that's the wrong decision. And then that's when I can see people getting frustrated, like you said, Andrew. It's not well, that right was the thing, too, of like when they put up the words, right? When they put up word choices and you're like, oh, that's the sentiment I want. And then you hit it and it's a different tone. Yes. It's not this. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> that yeah. happened to me with the, all this speech. And I was like, wait, no, because it was like, you're, for the most part, it was fine. There was just one at the very end. Where I eventually just ended up asking for a state of our own. Like, we're just going to take over Idaho. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. And I I was like, oh, I should have gone with, like, the one that indicated more of owning property. That's more of where my mindset was at. Like, we should be able to buy a house. Oh, yeah. The not speech like during the we march. should own a state. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I am. Um, I picked um during that. So that's another one of, like, the big pivotal moments was the, uh, the march. Speech. On Detroit, yep. where Marcus is like having his like, I am now MLK leading the androids, which was interesting because Kim, when Kim Wallace was on the show and she reviewed this for Game Informer, she talked about it being ham fisted. Now I know what she means. I actually didn't get a lot of the same dialogue lines that really felt ripped from the civil rights movements here in the United States, which is like why a lot of people have a lot of issues with this game. They're like, how dare you kind of re- reduce what happened with the civil rights movement to what's happening with like robots in a video game. And I 100% agree with that. However, I thought it was interesting how they put up these choices and how they let those choices kind of dictate the outcome. I think I picked, I wanted, um, I wanted equality. I didn't pick justice. I remember that. I was like, that's dumb. I didn't pick <laughs> land. I was like, that's dumb. I was like, uh, we, we want the right for like free freedom. It's like freedom, equality, Equal and rights, something yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically like the, just the basics. We're not asking like, just for property. Like we're not asking for our own government. We just like, we don't want to be slaves. That was it. Yeah. Like, we just don't want to be slaves. Yeah. I think the whole game made me, a lot of the things that it did very well were making me question what it means to be human, what it means to be alive. Because I actually found myself I became attached to the idea of Connor and Hank being friends, but as Connor continued to die and then magically reincarnate, it made me start to think about it as like, well, is he, or is he really just, you know, is he just a robot? Um, and so I think that that's what the game does really well is it makes you look at, at what those definitions mean for you. And those are, they're kind of tough questions. Like they can feel, especially in those moments where you're deciding how something is going to play out with a character where you're like, Simon, I'm going to shoot you on the top of this roof because I really don't have any other options, man. And technically, would there be a way to rebuild you and have you come back? I have no idea. Maybe. you, re- Marcus rebuilds himself in that corpse graveyard like Greg, Greg mentioned. Um, so that's where I kind of get a little iffy on like how permanent, how does death reflect on our humanity are we only human because we have a finite mm. life what would it be if we were vampires for instance that we lived forever yeah i don't know it's just a strange sort of and i think that's why thought. i was so into this game because it it could be an accurate representation of what our future actually is you know there are people out there spending money to preserve their bodies so if we get to a point where you can transfer their mind and their memories into an android body that's how they can like live. westworld yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen Westworld, but I'm yes, I'm sure you're, that's exactly it. So that's like an actual plausible thing that people are banking on in the future. You know, it was interesting reading the articles about athletes, you know, how they allow one android per team, how there are sex clubs, you know, what the unemployment rate is like, how this is affecting mm. XYZ. 
And I found that really fascinating to read those magazines. I think when the game took certain leaps, um, like you guys were saying earlier, and also narratively when, you know, last you saw Kara and Alice, they were doing one thing. And the next time you see them, they're driving to some guy's house who is supposedly going to help them, you know, get to wherever they need to go. And it turns out he's only in it to, like, screw with the Scrap android. them Scrap for parts. Them. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, wait, when did you meet this person? When did you have that conversation? Why are you going there? And that's when I kind of started to be like, this is a little weird. Why well, there was a, a conversation you had with an android that, le- that led to that. Yeah, yeah there's a guy at a bus yeah. stop who's like, here's the coordinates. Go there. They'll help you. Oh, okay. Now I remember that conversation, yeah. but I guess it just didn't stick with me in that moment. So I was lost by the time right. it looped back to them. And I was like, why well, that was, that was the funny thing, Britt, of like when I replayed it and had to play a bunch of sections over, there were parts where I'm like, what happened? Oh, right. This thing. I forgot all about this part. This random dude that feels inserted for no reason in her journey of like, all right. And he's going to erase you and he doesn't. And then Luther's with you. But like, and Luther's like, I'm on your side. Give it a second. And then he still chases you around the house. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, it's... Oh, I never got him. He never said he was on my side. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think so. It's interesting how, like, all those... how I mean, and this is a testament, of course, to the narrative work from Quantum Dream. Like, how different all these playthroughs can be for people, particularly people who don't, like, go through and do the Platinum and have to, like, force themselves into all these paths. But uh, we don't have too much more time, just a few more minutes. So I want to just quickly touch on something that I thought was a pretty big narrative element to this game that I really didn't see coming until the very end. Steve wrote in to Dear WGG and says... The best part of Kara's story is her connection to this young girl who has lived a terrible life under the guardianship of an unstable drug addict. Kara's decisions had weight because of how I thought Alice, a young, impressionable child, would react to what I chose to do. Finding out she was an android made hunting for dry clothes, food, and shelter for her earlier feel completely pointless. I feel like they had a real opportunity to create a meaningful final choice for Kara by having her decide whether or not Alice would be better off living a life with her or perhaps giving her up to Rose. Before we find out she's an android, their story represented hope for the future. If this young girl could see the value of androids bring to the world, then there's hope that others could see the same thing. After we found out that Alice is in fact an android, I truly feel the life was sucked out of that storyline. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. So this was something that I, I, I completely agree with you, Steve. I think that they kind of like pulled the rug out from under themselves by taking that choice away for the, the shock factor of she's actually an android. It's like, honestly, I think the choices would have made a lot more impact if they had kept her as human. Yeah, I the, mean, I agree with him. The impact yeah, I think they were going for was, oh, my gosh, she's an android. How do you feel about her? And then there's what one choice to make. And then that's it. It, it. it was kind of strange. And Luther does say, you know, a few times going up to that moment, have you noticed something about Alice? I need to talk to you about Alice. Yeah, yeah. But there were parts of Detroit Become Human. I feel like this is kind of where the game's downfall is, where there are moments where those things are mentioned, but it quickly is put in the back burner of my head, and I don't really even think about it narratively. Um, and I forgot about that until he was like, She's an android. I'm like, oh, 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 that's why you were saying those things. I forgot you were saying those things. It was never really a thought lurking in my mind. And what would that mean if if Alice did live with Rose, if she was a real human? I just feel like there were other there are narrative moments that uh, that they could have really focused on and, and made it more impactful. Instead, like you said, they just kind of pulled the rug out from themselves. Like, hey, this is a thing. OK, bye. We're going to move on with the story. Well. Uh, the Even only part to me t- that felt annoying about it, like truly annoying, was that I didn't 
buy the only part I was like, I really don't buy that the father, because he's such an asshole, would bother spending food like money for food on her. Mm-hmm. Like that was the part I found buy weird. Was like you're barely scraping it by. Yeah, exactly. And then take care of the android as if it's a human. That's the only part where I was like, mm, don't really understand that because I kind of get what they were trying to do aside from the gotcha moment with this because it's basically asking you again that question of does this diminish what this character means to you? Does the fact that she's an android now make you value her less? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the answer is yes for a lot of you. And, no, and that's was, fine. It's just an just interesting, that. It's an interesting yeah. question. Um, and it's an interesting point. And I think the way they did it maybe felt a little bit too like Haha, we did the sixth sense on you. Well, Good especially when they throw the flashback in your face. Remember when she was organizing these papers and this paper just randomly fell? That's when you found out. And that out. was the problem yeah. of like, we didn't see the thing on the side yeah. of her head. We didn't see, we, you know, Kara says she chose to block it all out. It's like, all right. Yeah, I think that was like definitely kind of like an eye roll moment for sure, but. Uh, Simon, you brought up a good point that like I was going to make too. Is like even in us just talking about it in this moment, it r- reminded me, oh yeah, but why? This is literally the whole point of the game is to stir this narrative around: Are androids considered a new life form? Mm. Do they have as much value as a human life? Should we consider androids, you know, equals to humans in every way, shape, and form? And I think like obviously, like we're not answering that question right here and right now. Like that's a question for people to stew on and to think about and to debate about and to think critically about, because we're probably getting to a place where we're going to have to answer that question sooner than later in, in our society. But you know, before we wrap the spoiler cast, I do want to just mention that I think the most impactful, and I think everyone here should maybe go over like what the most impactful moment of the game was for them. And I'll start by saying for me, it was during the final moment when I was with Kara and Alice in the, like, quote, concentration camp, mm-hmm. internment camp, mm-hmm. detention center, at the very end of the game. Given everything that's happening in the world today, what has happened in the world bef- before, and this idea of dehumanizing people or androids or any kind of higher life form to the fact that they... Like, strip them off, literally pulled the clothes from their body, take their skin away. They're naked, like covering themselves in shame, having been like shoved into these giant bins, being having the daughter ripped away from her and separated was like so emotional for me. And I think they really nailed what that represents in a really impactful way. And it was crazy that so many people never got to experience it mm. because it was you had to make specific choices to get to that point where she was. And that happened when Kara was trying to escape the Jericho, and I chose to surrender instead of try to run because mm. if you tried to run, you got shot and you died. Um, I played or dead. Was, Hell yeah, you did. That's the only yeah. way you can survive and, that. Yeah. And like I thought that that was really well executed, and they really accurately conveyed this sense of despair and anxiety and stress of like a mother being separated from her daughter and how all of these other androids came together to try to help her find her daughter and reunite them. And thankfully because of the choices I made, like Luther, Kara and Alice got to ride off into the sunset together. But like that one moment, that's incredibly stressful moment will stay with me and for that reason alone I have no doubt that this is going to be like a best narrative contender at the end of the year. 
For me, I think it was when Marcus wakes up and he's in the android graveyard. Because mm. you just saw, the last time you saw him, he was having, I really liked the relationship Carl had. Carl and Marcus had the old man, obviously paraplegic. Carl was, or Marcus was gifted. That was the best. Yeah, that was an awesome. And I think it was a great representation of like what this relationship could be like. You know, Carl was always pushing Marcus to find his quote humanity in the arts and whatever it was, asking him questions, having him play the piano, complimenting him, saying you have more humanity than most people. And seeing, you know, Carl's son, Leo, who's high on what's it called? Like red. Chris, the drug, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, red ice. Red ice. Yeah, yeah. Come in there and be like, hey, you have this relationship with this android that you never had with me, and I'm pissed off about it, rah, rah, rah. And then you can either have the choice to fight Leo or not fight Leo. Either way, you end up in this graveyard. And after seeing Marcus's reaction to Carl, I saw Carl die, and then I saw Carl not die because I started the chapter over again because I was very distraught you cheated. When, Carl, when Carl had a heart attack. And so waking up in the graveyard and not having your hearing or not being able to see clearly and stumbling around and trying to find these parts of your, you know, what would you call it? Your fellow androids who are broken and battered. And there are androids in there who are like, please, please don't take this part. I know Mm -hmm. I'm just like a heap of junk right now, but I want to live. I don't want to be, what's the word they put, they use? I don't want to be dissembled. Um, I don't want to be. It's not dissembled, but that's from. No disassemble. Disassemble me. Whatever but you, it is. You um, killed her anyway, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was uh <laughs> def- whatever the fuck it was. Don't destroy me. Uh, anyway, that was I was like, holy shit, like this is intense. These this is like a graveyard of like people, but they're like zombie androids, and it's very sad. Yeah, the sound design in that yeah. section is mm. incredible. The way that they made it like that ambient noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not hearing, but it's, it's like sort of far like away, just high pitched. Yeah. yeah. Until you get the awful. hearing piece. Yeah. Yeah. Until you get the hearing piece. But I'm like, that's incredible that they did that. And every, the way that like everything's muffled and like, but and high, Android's I don't know. trying to climb out really of great. the, the graveyard, the pit. And it's like, damn. You're like, oh man, this is a, uh, why does this pit exist? <laughs> yeah. Rashid, like, isn't there a better way to deactivate these guys and just yeah. throw them in a mud hole? <laughs> They're not even yeah, turned yeah, off. Yeah. Like they're not even truly dead like what come on man recycle their parts humanity did you uh did you have a moment yeah i mean i think you've mentioned a lot of them obviously the internment camp stuff i think was one that did it i mean in terms of like a very specific moment i forget which one it is or if it's both but when carl goes down and falls down either with the heart attack or uh i guess with the heart attack this must be the way it goes and marcus runs over and carl's already out and he calls him dad yes you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's this moment where he calls him dad for the first time in anything we've seen i assume the first time in his life i didn't see that yeah well, did you get the heart attack scene. did you fight no. okay okay I didn't yeah get the heart if attack you get the heart scene. attack and he falls over out, out cold he says it to him or says it out loud and it is such a like holy shit like you know that's a moment for him and you know that's a moment of him breaking through um yeah, there was, I mean, there's so many little standout things, little touches like that. I think obviously the one great scene we haven't mentioned that Christine texted me about and made me laugh out loud with, all the Jerry's. Hey, oh, yeah. we're, we're here to be helpful. We're going to be super fucking creepy about it, though. We're going to burst through windows and doors like zombies. And then we're going to be like, hi, no, so why are you scared of us? We're just here to hang out. What are you talking about? We just busted through all these windows. It's fine. Aren't we cute? <laughs> They were really yeah. cute, though. Yeah, well, yeah. That, and I tell you what, I, I sacrificed Jerry's ass at the border to get past. Oh, I no. was like, you go. Nobody cares about okay, you. He's like, I'll so do whatever you want. I'm like, great, die. Because I was peaceful, 
I basically like told the border guard like please yeah. and he saw yeah. the thing and then let me the through the peaceful protest and he was like okay yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah all right ladies and gentlemen For, I got oh, I didn't get to say one okay Simon go go Simon go okay so. I, I did see a lot of like chatter on the internet about how people thought this scene was cringy, but I really thought it was beautiful. And it's the very last scene where if you're doing a peaceful protest, like we were kind of already mentioned, you can either like kiss or do something else or sing. And I chose sing. And the first off, the singing is just beautiful. Like these people have amazing voices. Um, and then the song choice is really nice. I just like, I was uh, just had like a nice swell of emotion of like, this is a really <laughs> pretty, beautiful thing. And I hope they don't that they don't just start shooting them. Like that was kind of my hope. <laughs> and they didn't, thank God. But I was like had that moment of like, are we gonna be mid song and just get mowed down? Because we might. In shot I'm sorry, one other scene I left that too. Shout out to when uh Connor and Hank embrace. Oh yeah. At the very end if you play it that way where yeah. they are bros. That's the best. Because like when I had to play bad and piss off Hank the entire time, that was rough. Because I love Hank. So to see Hank uh, have to stand there while Connor shoots the android in front of the robot, the robot creator dude. <gasps> you shot uh, Chloe? Well, I, well, I had to for the trophy or whatever. Oh, okay. uh, not my main playthrough. And then later on when Hank shoots Connor and then when Sh- Hank kills himself, it's like, there's all these fucking Oh god, like, there's a playthrough where Hank kills himself? Yeah. 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 Oh shit, it's just real dark. Got Hank, Hank killed. God got damn it, it Steimer. really bad. I thought I felt the worst about him. Hank is an I, amazing character. That relationship was the best, I think, in the game. So yeah. good. There was so much more we could talk about. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, but hopefully this has stirred some conversations with you folks out there listening and you have some friends. Um, of course, you're welcome to start a thread at the What's Good Games fan page on Facebook, on our Patreon page, on the What's Good Games subreddit. Talk about it. Talk about what you liked. Talk about what you hated. Uh, the good, the sign of a good narrative is it gets you talking. Mm. Cause if you're not talking, it means it sucked. Um, Greg, yeah. thank you so much for coming by today. Oh, thanks for having me. I don't feel like I need to tell people where they can find you, but where would you like people to find you? You can find me at kindoffunny.com. We do all sorts of videos and podcasts over there. You do. I think, you know, I think mainstream kind of funny doesn't get enough love these days. Really? Maybe it's just because I only do the game content. Uh, you are a huge contributor to the Kind of Funny Morning Show. You come in and yell <laughs> at Nick Scarpino <laughs> twice sure. a week. It's great. That's yeah. sure I do. We have a we have a love hate relationship. It's mostly love. It's just play hate. Yeah. I just somebody has to keep him in line. It's true. It's, He's it's always bad. like rambling about whatever trailer is on yeah. in the morning. Uh-huh. If you're lucky. That's true. So that's <laughs> twitch.tv slash kind of funny games Monday through Friday starting at 11 a.m. Pacific time. If you guys want to check it out, I would say you could throw us a subscriber, but you can't because we're not Twitch partners. So if you have an oh, Amazon oh. Prime subscription, throw it to Kind of Funny. If you didn't know, if you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime. Every 30 days, you have to give away a Twitch subscription. Otherwise, they sit on that money and don't give it to anybody. So might as well give it to Kind of Funny because you guys are such good supporters of what we do here. And I can't thank you enough for always giving us a platform to talk about what we do on no. what you guys do. And well, you know, I'm, I'm I, I, all of us, but me in particular, I'm so proud of all of you. I've known you all for years and you're all amazing voices in games. And I'm glad you find a way to come together and make something awesome like this and do something like this. I well, thank you. And we're going to fucking have a big ass celebration at kind of funny prom oh this God. weekend. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much again as a 
reminder, we're doing this special episode because of the holiday next week. If you guys want to get in any questions you have about our game of the year so far discussion, again, patreon.com slash what's good games. And a big thank you one more time to Bespoke Post for sponsoring the show. Boxofawesome.com slash what's good. And again, that promo code for 20% off your box of awesome bespoke post is what's good. Thank you so much to them for sponsoring the show. Have a great weekend, everybody. Wait, we'll don't see go. Happy our Wait. Q&A Patreon exclusive stream Saturday, June 30th. I almost fucking forgot about gotcha, that. Baby girl. Are you pre-gaming the prom with your drinking stream? We really are. <laughs> we really are, Greg. And then we're going to drunkenly do our hair and makeup. It's going to be That's fucking so awesome. awesome. Why don't we just get dressed for prom and then do the stream? <gasps> Steimer, that's a genius idea. <laughs> this is why we keep I you I knew we hired you for something. Not just because you're fucking cute. Oh. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody, for real this time. <laughs>